0: Well, hello, everybody. How are y'all doing out there? Have you had your morning coffee? Are you pulling an all-nighter doing homework? Maybe even walking your dog at the park? Wherever you are, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Interviews with Chris. I am your host, Chris Tryon. I'm a newly married man. Wow. Pandemic or no pandemic, I can't believe I'm saying that. I also got a puppy, so lots of joyous things are happening in my world. Hey, had to fill you in on a little bit of my life, but I hope you all are doing well out there. Another thing, my Phoenix Suns are doing awesome. If you don't want to hear about sports, then you're in luck. No sports references in this one. I did, though, have a blast talking with Abby Davis. She is the drummer of Oryx, And I have had the pleasure of seeing her perform for almost close to a decade since when the band first began. Geez, I don't want to say I'm getting old, but time flies. I even interviewed her on my old blog site, and you can find that material online at interviewswithchris.com. If you need some doom and sludge flowing into your ears and reverberating your cranium, then you're in the right place. We also talk true crime documentaries, opening up for Electric Wizard at the Fillmore in Denver, recording the new upcoming album Lamenting a Dead World, Tequila, and giving it your all when no one is really around or even taking notice. As usual, there's some lighthearted topics, and there's some pretty deep and heavy stuff we talk about as well. Like always, I had a great time, and I hope you all do as well listening in on this one. I'm kicking this off with a track called Misery. That's off the upcoming album, Lamenting a Dead World, which is coming out April 30th on Translation Loss Records. Turn that dial up, crank up the volume, and enjoy. Abby, how's it going? Hey, how are you? I am doing very well. Glad to have you on the show. I know it's been a while since we've talked or, you know, even seen each other.
1: Yes, yes, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah. Congratulations, too, on recently getting married.
0: Yeah, it's it's been it to even say those words that I got married <laughs> is kind of crazy, especially with what we've all been living through through the pandemic but we obviously had a very small and safe ceremony and uh, hey I really appreciate it thanks so much Um, how is everything going on in your world
1: oh it's it's going I feel like we're finally in a routine that's as normal as it can be with this pandemic (laughs) um something hard to say right yeah exactly exactly so we're I feel like we're Tommy and I are getting along and you know, it's just kind of taken day by day. I feel like that's all we can do right now. So,
0: yeah, it's those small victories, I'd say. I think, like in my case, getting married is a very large thing, but it was even like, well, it was supposed to happen last September. Then we pushed it to last month, this past March, essentially, you know, a month ago. I had said a year ago when the pandemic started, you know what, we're going to p- push it out until March. Mm. And then at that point, this is still going on okay i'm gonna move it out till december what you know jazz and i were saying you know jazz and she does the illustrations for the show we're just like let's just do it whatever happens in december whether it's a screw 2020 party or a a big (laughs) fiesta for everyone whatever happens happens because it is actually kind of even stressful to Get everyone on board, multiple Mm -hmm. external Mm -hmm. sources saying, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? Hey, can you do this? Okay, we're going to do this. At this point, I am not canceling anything for a third time. Let's get hitched and whatever happens, you know, in the future, let's have a grand old time. But I could even imagine with bands in the music industry, all of the planning and the cancellations and then the rescheduling. I mean, what a, as far as logistically crazy time to live in, I would say.
1: Oh, yeah, it's it's just been such a crazy thing to, I think, get used to. And I don't want to get used to it. But um, I think it is just kind of the future for at least this next year. Um, You know, it's just thinking about, okay, what will shows look like when they do return? Um, Because I think even that will be a process that we all have to adjust to. But um, I'm looking forward to it, you know, when that does happen. But I think it's just going to be an experiment.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I mean, we've. I've seen you play multiple times, and we're used to dingy small basement shows and things and i'm i'm like when am i when's the next time I'm gonna be at a packed you know, <laughs> know. like dilapidated home you know with like two hundred kids around me you know I'm just like I don't know when that's gonna happen, but I can't wait for it to happen right. and then, as long as it's safe and healthy and everyone is being respectful of what's going on, like hey, I am all in, but it's just Kind of a crazy thought to think of when that's going to happen next.
1: Exactly, and those are the best shows.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. We're we're gonna get we're gonna get to that kind of re- okay. relive uh, some nostalgia. But I mean, the last time we hung out, I would say was around November of two thousand nineteen, around four months or so before the pandemic, when your band oryx played the Yucca Tap Room in Tempe. Yes. So I mean, it seems like a a lifetime ago. It
1: does. I know. I can't believe that was it doesn't feel like that was that long ago. Like it it ever does. (laughs) It just, it feels like that was such a different time because your worries were about just the day to day, like, Oh, you know, we're going to get back from tour and we're going to have to, you know, start planning the next shows. You had no idea what was going to happen next, you know? And it's, it's crazy to think about that, but that was a fun show though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome. And I'm going to dial it back here because I interviewed you ages ago, I would say even, well, ages, I mean, just a relatively long time ago, but I would say over maybe five years ago or so when I had my internet blog up and I asked, how did your band, Oryx, get its name? You stated it was from an actual animal, um, the Oryx, a type of antelope. Mm -hmm. You said it's an animal that you know kind of stands out a bit in the desert and that you stated that the band had felt similarly when you all started in New Mexico, Las Cruces, I'm from El Paso. So we definitely know each other's areas there. But you know, when I lived in the region, there weren't really any other doom metal or sludge bands specific in Las Cruces from what I remember. Can you kind of elaborate a little bit more on that? And just the infancy and kind of, I know you had mentioned, I don't want to say feeling out of place, but definitely it was a time where I would say there wasn't that type of music per se. How can I say it? Doom or sludge specific. We've seen plenty right. of punk shows, hardcore shows, but I would say even just local bands in that area. You were, you guys were essentially the front runners, you know, yes. at that yes. point. Yes,
1: it, it was an island. <laughs> um, I think we definitely were not the first. Obviously, there's a ton of metal bands. From definitely, Los definitely. Caritas. Yeah, and from El Paso. Um, but when Tommy and I started playing eight or nine years ago, we were kind of the only um, doom, you know, heavier band that was playing locally at the time. You know, I I was inspired by bands before us, even recently at that time, like Old and Ill,
0: great band. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Answer Lies,
1: all of that stuff was just um, so fun to to see live and to go to. And then when Tommy and I started playing, he actually was looking for other musicians that could kind of play, you know, he was looking for like kind of earth worship uh, musicians that did this like atmospheric kind of sludgy stuff. And he wasn't really finding <laughs> any of his buddies that could play at the time or that, that, that type of mold, that yeah. feel or vibe. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it just wasn't happening. I think he tried a few times and it wasn't clicking with anyone. Um, and he came from a, a Really punk background at the time, and I think that was kind of the direction everyone was going then. And you know, we super started... familiar
0: with it, yes, for sure, yes,
1: yeah, and exactly. And we, you know, we just started jamming together, and um, yeah, it it did feel like we were kind of alone in Las Cruces at sometimes because it just we were at a point. But then we'd have a lot of bands come through that were metal, and we were asked to play them you know play those shows because we were kind of one of the only openers that would fit um and honestly it was great because we we built so many connections at that time and i'm talking about las cruces el paso has always had a lot of metal bands going at some point so
0: a lot of diversification exactly
1: yeah yeah and And even in
0: those specific genres i would say
1: yes and those scenes would always cross over as you know like we definitely would have El Paso bands open up Las Cruces shows and vice versa. Yep. Um, but yeah, it, it did feel at certain times that, you know, it was lonely. Um, but that meant we, we had to travel. So we would go to Albuquerque, Phoenix, you know, we, El Paso, we would drive to play shows. Um, but I, I do think being in such an isolated scene at that time for metal in little Las Cruces, it was hard to get out at the at, when we started. It was hard to get our music out there. Um, I think now, even nine years later, social media and things like that have progressed so much that anyone can record themselves and put it online. And I'm, you could do that then when we started. But it was just different. You know, Things were still different then. And it definitely felt like you had to work a little bit harder and tour a little bit further to get your music out there. So we did. <laughs>
0: Definitely makes sense because I like you're kind of saying, definitely, there were hardcore shows, punk shows. But I remember, you know, I played in plenty of bands back in the day and. I'd be opening up for the body. And I'm like, are you guys sure you want us to open up for the body? You know, (laughs) are you sure you want us to open up for a full of hell? Like, I love these bands. But, you know, you're going to have some pissed off fans, you know. (laughs) And then (laughs) afterwards, it'd be like, oh, you guys are great. Or you're cool. Or, you know, it's usually a community of friends. Absolutely. Everyone respects each other. And it all kind of made sense. I think especially for the region that we lived in. But one question I had is, "Orcs is such a cool name. Did you guys ever have any sort of other names? like wow. um you know options or question. anything or was that just the one
1: i can't even remember what we kind of thought of at first i think we maybe looked at nine metal years Ar- ago
0: right yeah
1: yeah <laughs> nine years ago we're like all right let's go on metal archives like what name hasn't been taken <laughs> at this point <laughs> um no but i mean oryx was a, a special name to us and i think even now it, it, like throughout the process of being a band we we thought maybe that name is too weird it's too specific to new mexico initially But then when we moved to Colorado, um, it was really cool to have that name still and have that piece of New Mexico with us. um, It is still such a unique name to that region, you know.
0: Absolutely. And as far as your inception goes as a band, the band originally started as a two-piece with your now husband, Tommy Davis, guitarist and vocalist of the band. You now have a bassist and I do apologize in advance. If I don't get his last name right, he'd probably want to punch me through his cell phone or whatever device he's listening. Eric Dodgian?
1: Dodging, yes.
0: Dodging. wow. Dodgen, he's going to want to yeah. punch me through there. Okay, okay. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> no, you're but good, you're I'm, good. I met him at the show. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Nice guy, but what spurred on the change? I know that you previously had a bassist for a brief amount of time, um, but now mm-hmm. you've had one for a while. I know that this is, and please correct me if I'm wrong, the most recent album, Lamenting a Dead World, is the first one you've had writing with a bassist. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it is. Um, Born into Madness, our EP, that was out um, before this.
0: 2018? Right. Correct? Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah.
1: That one was... It. We had a bass guitar on that album. Um, but okay. it wasn't necessarily written into the songs. So this album, Lamenting a Dead World, we started with Eric and incorporated it into every song. The baseline in Born Into Madness is kind of just following what we had already written at that point. But this one is really focused on every individual musician, I think, in the band. Got it. So more yeah. dynamically,
0: maybe not just like going after the root note and a- right. adding some low end, just take, exactly. adding some more of his own yes. pizzazz and style. Um, and yes. having that implement the band.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And we, um uh, we started as a two piece. We, well, no, actually we started as a three piece. Like we, we had a, a home James, right? Yes. A yes. Yes. A long time ago. That was a
0: long time ago. Do, do um, I get a prize for knowing that? I, mean, I, mean,
1: I know, and he'll probably punch me through the cell phone for saying that. <laughs> um, no, we we started as a three piece, um, but it was short lived, and we did continue on as a two piece. And Tommy stacked up his amps, and we played louder. I'm not sure if that was better at the time, but we, you know, felt like we were sufficient. We wanted we were doing what we wanted to do, and. It was easier to tour that way too. Starting out, it being a couple and just living in a van together, basically as we toured. But then, yeah, as we moved to Colorado, we met Eric even before we moved to Colorado. Actually, we met him through playing shows up here. Anyways, got it. Um, he is he was in. A it's usually how it van. goes, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we had built a really great relationship with him, um, and we. Played with a few bassists here in Colorado. Um, we knew he's mainly a guitarist, but of course we knew he could pick up the bass and kill it. So we reached out to him and said, Hey, we're playing, we're, oh, we're opening for sleep. <laughs> um, will you be with us that first show? And let's see how that goes. And of course, you know, he was stoked. It went really well. And we went from there and said, Let's make this a thing. So it was. It started off on a really positive note, and that was one of the biggest shows we had ever played at the time. So, I feel like he's had the really great golden years of Orcs. <laughs> 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 Um But you know, it, it was great because we had built a, a really strong friendship with him before that, and to be able to experience shows like Sleep and Electric Wizard and things like that with him was it was really rewarding because we love him like a brother. So. It's been a great experience with with Eric, and and we're excited to continue writing with him.
0: Well, I love what I'm hearing and the chemistry shows. Awesome. Obviously, I'm not trying to pry, but what's it like to play in a band with your husband? I mean, I recently married, but have been with my wife for a very long time, and we are way into music and anything in the art world. But after a long day of work or dinner, I'm not like, hey, honey, let me crank some loud (laughs) amps and rip into the heaviest riff known to mankind maybe one day that'll happen with both of us but like how did it all begin were were you bandmates first were you dating how how was it like hey like that just (laughs) rules i mean i'm like jazz we're gonna start a she actually already has a band that she wants to create it it isn't doom or or sludge (laughs) metal influence but um yeah she she, she's like, Hey, if we're going to start a band. We already have, I already have a band. And I'm like, Hey, whenever you're ready, whenever <laughs> we eat our Mac and cheese, instead of binging a show or going to do whatever we do, which whatever we love doing, Hey, maybe we could write a song together. But yeah, how did it start with y'all?
1: There you go. No, I, I highly suggested. I think, um, it started with us. We were dating before we started jamming. Um, okay. maybe about a year before that. And, you know, we started playing, like I was saying earlier, just because Tommy wasn't able to really find a drummer that was into the style of drumming that he was looking for. And I was kind of learning as I went at that point, I didn't really have a style, but I love that music that, you know, earth and we were listening to, of course, all, you know, blacks have electric wizard, everything at the time. We actually started with electric wizard cover songs just to kind of get in the groove with each other too. And I, i loved playing it was fun so we would kind of just start jamming together we started playing together at the train yard an old practice and venue spot um and yeah we we would start just playing up you know till three in the morning every night and it it was fun those formative years just figuring out what our sound was going to be and what you know we wanted our live show to look like and things like that but um I'd say, you know, it was, it was a lot of work at the beginning because, yeah, we were dating, um, and just learning how each other worked with, you know, each other under pressure. Um, we had a lot of arguments, <laughs> like, and you know, that's something we have worked through together. Just because, you know, being in a band, you fight with your bandmates, but then you're fighting with the person that you're in a relationship with too, you know? So it was kind of like, how do we make this work? And you know,
0: definitely an interesting dynamic for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Know, yeah.
1: And even when Eric came on board a few years ago, that was something he was getting used to too. Like, Hey, we had our own language. This is how we communicated in practice. <laughs> <laughs> and he came in and honestly, it was awesome because having that third person and having that like third party, you know, make help us make decisions. Um, it was really helpful too, because yeah, sometimes you, you get in a headspace together. But I'd say it's been an amazing experience because we've become closer, I think, through the whole, whole time. Um, you know, you are able to experience the highs and lows of being in a band together. So playing huge shows or playing a crappy show, you know, where maybe one of us fucked up during the show. And we get to experience that, too. And also we get to experience the highs of playing a, a freaking awesome show at the Fillmore. Um, auditorium here. You know, Ooh, those things. Yeah. yeah like it, it just with
0: the Electric Wizard, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean Unreal. I oh I, I will always be grateful for that experience. But um to be able to do that with my husband, I think it, it just elevated it. And I think even just being able to support each other. I've had a lot of guidance from Tommy. And initially when I was starting out drumming with him, I was nervous as hell. Um and those nights at the train yard when we were practicing together he had toured many years before we played together um, and his band shang and other bands he's done.
0: Definitely, and, definitely.
1: you know, he was able to kind of give me some advice of like how. Well, he showed you the
0: ropes. Yeah, how exactly. It works. Exactly. Yeah. And
1: he's like, my first out of town show was El Paso. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: I was so stoked. <laughs> um, and we celebrated, you know, like, Hey, we, I drove to play a show. This is awesome. Um, but yeah, it, It was really cool to experience that with him.
0: No, I love hearing that. And for those that are not familiar with the term, the train yard, it was a commercial, I don't even know, industrial area, DIY space that hosted many, many, a wonderful show. I don't even know where to begin from (laughs) tragedy to the body to everything everything in between. And I many many a memory there it was a good good time it feels like such a long time ago but at the same time i feel i could just plant myself there right now because i was there usually three out of the seven days of the week and i didn't even live in the city so i got i got used to that commute very very frequently but it was a good time for sure
1: those were good times yeah
0: but hey if i ever start a band with jazz i'm gonna come to you for advice like hey how do I tell her that this riff is not working out you know oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but um what's been the biggest change even from living in Las Cruces to Denver I know that you had said the scene was obviously an intimate one in Las Cruces which I experienced as well but mm-hmm. Denver has a much more vast scene I know that there's definitely going to be those pockets of strong community strong DIY sense I've played in Denver many many times and it's awesome, but is there anything besides? I would say like the climate, or just it being much more vast. That it's just like, hey, we. I don't even know. Maybe even more, even in the professional sense of being a band, I have no idea what. What would you say changed the most with going up there?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, a lot changed in just opportunity. I feel like when we left Las Cruces and moved here. You know, that was just, things were changing. Venues were closing down and people were moving away. And it just felt like people had outgrown that city. And I mean, I love Las Cruces and I I will forever love it. I'll continue to visit. You know, I have family there, friends there. It's incredible. You know, New Mexico and and El Paso are just forever home to me. But it felt like there was just this new part to a lot of people there where it was time to, to move on. You know, it just felt like it was just that time period where it it felt right to move you know like I think we were debating that for a long time like oh like how you know we're gonna miss this we're gonna miss this community and we still do but at the same time I think a lot of people moved you know
0: I was gonna say we obviously have many mutual friends but I I think this is a while back but I was talking about how there was a certain time frame within a couple of years where I don't want to say there was a mass exodus of people just mm-hmm. leaving that general region, but people were going to Portland, people were going to Denver, people were yes. going to Austin, people were going to the East Coast. And of course, there are still very, very, how can I say it? I don't see formative, of course, formative individuals, but people that yeah. are still in that region that are doing some really, really cool things. But at the same point, it just seems like a lot of people were just moving out. So obviously there was change. And another thing is for people that maybe are not too familiar with living in, I don't know how, how to say it, like big cities with small town right. fields. Sometimes these venues, they're only open maybe two to four years, two to five years, and you got to go to the next one. Obviously you want to make sure that they last for as long as possible, but the train right. yard lasted a, a good while. I, I think yeah. it was like from two 2000- thousand. I mean, someone's going to want to punch me through the cell phone if I'm <laughs> wrong. But, you know, 2008, 2009 to maybe like, oh, I don't even know, 2000, I don't know. I don't know. I, I really don't yeah, know. 2014, I, I know. like six yeah. years or something. It's just like, wow, this lasted or longer, you know, but.
1: It really, yeah. It was a successful venue, you know, and there's so many shows that happened there. Like you were saying, like just diverse shows, every kind of show, punk and metal and folk and everything. I mean, there was just anything you wanted was there. Um, But yeah, like you're right. Everyone kind of, not everyone, but people did move and and things changed and venues closed. And I think every city's experienced that bigger, you know, bigger, small. I think even Denver experienced that where they had a change in venues and and DIY venues went away, or at least were, you know, there was a few that were closed at some time and, you know, moved to bars. And so I think there was a shift maybe in a lot of cities, but you know, moving here was a huge change for us because, you know, we went from kind of only playing those DIY venues in New Mexico to we're playing bars, you know, we're playing bars that are specifically geared towards metalheads. And that was exciting. (laughs) Uh, There's just, you know, a a bigger community here too, I think that are interested in that genre Um, and come out and support that too, where they'll come out for big shows and they'll come out for local shows. So the Denver scene is just so exciting to be a part of, but you know, we even went back to New Mexico in 2019 and played Albuquerque and, and El Paso. And I think it was maybe that same tour. No, it was an earlier tour before we saw you. Um, but we, yeah, we just had such a great time still in New Mexico and, and Texas because there great is still such yeah, there is such a great vibe there in both those places and you know, people's, love to go to music, so go hang out. And it's, you know, we, just because we moved to Colorado, it doesn't mean we still, you know, don't go out to those smaller cities. So we we love going back home, so.
0: Well, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe you also moved due to schooling. Is that right? I did.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did. I, I came, oh, Tommy and I both came here.
0: The school of Rock.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it's true. It's where I learned the moves. Um, so we, yeah, I came out to start at my master's program of uh, social work at the University of Denver. And that was only a year program. And then We were kind of already debating though, like we wanted to move somewhere in Colorado and Denver specifically just seemed like the right move for us. Besides the school piece, it just had a community of friends that we had already met. We had played shows in Colorado Springs before that and really loved the people there and met people in Denver that we were really starting to get along with. So it just seemed like this is the place that we need to be. It still feels that way too. But um, we... Yeah, we came here for my schooling and, and stayed here. <laughs> um, it's about like maybe six years at this point, And it's just been such a great experience because the community is amazing here. And it reminds me a lot of the DIY love that I was finding in New Mexico. A lot of the bands here that, have, that are really big at this point have started from DIY roots. And I appreciate that. I connect to that. And I love being in a scene that appreciates that as well.
0: Well, I love Denver. I have not played there in a very long time, but there were spots. I think they were taken down even before you may have moved, but Mm -hmm. there was, I think it was called like Club 404. I don't even know, but there's a street called Broadway. I think that's one of the main streets Mm. in Denver. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a really cool bike collective. It was called the Bicycle Pit or the Bike Pit. That was a really cool spot. And then there was this place called the Curtis Tavern. And mm. it was the last show that this place was ever going to have. It was like this huge fest. People were like taking off the tiles off of the roof. It was, <laughs> it was insane. Awesome. But yeah, it was a really great time. Every time I go out to Denver, I absolutely love it. The last time I was out there, I actually saw... One of my personal favorite bands, Rocket from the Crypt. I think it was at like Summit Hall. I don't, I'm not sure if that's how, oh, cool. what that that part, yeah. I don't know if that, that's what that venue is called. I may have, may have mispronounced it. Right. Mis- I know uh, what you're talking worded about yeah. it. But yeah, really, really great. And it, yeah, I love, I really love it out there. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you're out there. And I'm about to break up our conversation, but do you know where I'm going with this? <laughs> No. No, you don't? Okay. It's random question time here. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) These are questions I've created from knowing you as a friend and as a fan, from doing my online research, and for paying an external third-party source for a background check. (laughs) No, no, just kidding. No, 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 really. But it it is random question time. Are you ready?
1: Okay, I'm ready for random question time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. So what's something about you? That you're willing to disclose that no one knows, you know, except you. Maybe you were one day an aspiring ping pong player. Maybe you like bungee jumping. I don't know. What What's something out there that your fans would be super Ooh. surprised that, to know about you? Oh,
1: my god. Maybe you goodness. still have a bunch of
0: Beanie Babies in your closet. I don't know.
1: Okay, you want to get down to the, like, nitty gritty here. All right. Um... Sure, as long as
0: you're able to disclose it and it's out in the digital realm. Sure. <laughs>
1: This, I'm comfortable with this being out there. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I... Okay, so I love true crime documentaries. Like, I I am allowing that to be admitted into the world. <laughs> I um, started out with, like, Law and & Order, and then I had to up the game, start going into that serial killer documentary stuff. <laughs> um, but I actually had a moment when Tommy and I first started dating that I didn't want him to know I loved Law and Order. Like I I used to watch it like (laughs) religiously and he like- That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I love that show. I still do, but it was just, I was watching it every day and he like, he came into my house to, he was gonna come hang out for a date or something like that. And my roommate had let him in. I didn't know he was there and he had knocked on my door and he opened the door and I like closed, I slammed my laptop shut. And he was like, oh, my God, are you okay? (laughs) Like, I don't know what I walked in on. Like, I'm sorry. I was like, you can't see my law and order. I, like, I freaked out because I did not want him to know that that was my jam. But um, he thought I was, like, looking at porn or something. But
0: (laughs) (laughs) And now we're married,
1: so it does work out in the end. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I love that stuff. I just – I find it fascinating to – Kind of dive deep into the psychology of people that are dangerous. I guess
0: <laughs> I'm guessing you have you watched movies like uh, The Zodiac.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes, I mean, I have.
0: I'm a Jake Gyllenhaal fan, obviously. There you go. Uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. I mean, those types of movies. This is going to totally. get a little bit deeper into to reading, but are you familiar with a book called I'll Be Gone in the Dark?
1: Yes. Oh my God, Patton Oswald's wife. Yeah, yes. have you read it? Hundred percent, read it. Watch okay, the, I, the yeah. show. Yes. Oh wow,
0: we're, we're we're about to go into a new podcast. Let's <laughs> stop talking about <laughs> doom metal music here.
1: This is awesome. Let's, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no, I um I definitely love stuff like that as well. What it boils down to is just the psychology of an individual and understanding what, or shall I say, maybe not even ever understanding what right. makes people do what they do but yeah that was a that was a book i read that maybe i don't even remember four three four i don't i don't even remember when it came out but i would like to say like three years ago i read it or two or something and i just like binged that i was just like wow i'm not putting that down and then i'm don't have a lot of streaming services but at some point we got HBO and the show was there. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll like do some weights or do something, a snack on something while I watch this. And I was like, okay, I'm hooked too. I, both <laughs> of them were great. The book was, even that book in her research kind of spurred on this huge,
1: yeah. you know, uh,
0: I don't know what we're doing, podcasts for crime <laughs> and all yes, that, you know, she really yes. kind of was a, I don't want to say trendsetter, but she was uh what's... I don't want to say like OG, but she was the one that kind she of started was. doing it.
1: She was. She kind of led that investigation. That movement. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it's fascinating um, because she dedicated so much of her time to kind of solving it. You know, she did. She wasn't able to actually see how that turned out, but unfortunately, but um, Yeah. No, we're on the same page. That was a good one.
0: <laughs> all right, hey. Well, if I ever need a co-host for a crime, a punk crime podcast, I'll, oh my a consideration. Yeah. All right, let's
1: do it. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So another thing, I saw online that you and Tommy play tennis. Can you confirm yes, that? Yes,
1: we play okay. tennis, and we have no regrets.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's um, awesome. I like yeah. tennis. So cool. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, we um, we started playing um, recently, I, I guess, well, recently as in like the last year during the pandemic, like something that you could do outside and kind of social distance and still have a good time. And it, we really just caught on right away. We're like, this is fun and have no idea what we're doing, but let's keep doing it. So. Hey,
0: tennis is super fun. I'm sure your top spin and your back hand, <laughs> one handed, you know, one handed back, Oh yeah, uh, back swings are on point. But do you have any like favorite pros, or do you watch matches on your free time? Maybe blast some metal in the background and analyze matches or something.
1: <laughs> you definitely are calling me out because we do. We like we're <laughs> watching. I love like, this. Yes, we're watching all kinds of matches and like now. Anytime Tommy and I do like a move where the other person can't return it, we both go like Serena. And it just, <laughs> like, we're, um, you know, we feel powerful. But, yeah, no, we're watching matches. It's, it's it's fun because tennis is super underrated. I feel like, I don't know, like, you don't think that it's a hardcore workout or anything when you're necessarily just, you kind of hear about it, right? But when you're watching the matches and you're playing it, you realize, like, people are giving out their all to play this game. Oh, yeah. And it's very conservative, too. So, like Serena even herself is a bit of a rebel just you know cursing and like yelling or whatever and just I love it it's just great
0: I you know I'm gonna keep what you just said there because my family I don't play tennis but like my father and my great uncles and everything they love squash they love racquetball oh. they love tennis um all these like racket specific sports but i mean yeah i was just imagining maybe you guys are like listening to bong ripper but then watching like french open you know <laughs> yes. nadal is like oh, look at that look at that so i mean yeah when you're talking about it it brings back memories because even serena a lot of these pros are extremely vocal and i had mm-hmm. this relative that was kind of funny because he was i don't know how to state say this but he was um oh, i don't know if the word is i guess he was a gentleman but he mm-hmm. was just like they should not smash their rackets. They should not like yeah. grunt or show emotion or something like that. You know, he liked a lot of players like Sampras and, mm-hmm. you know, he liked to play like from people like from Agassi or McEnroe, but their actual emotions and things were like, not something he was fond of. So he would usually just like mute the, mute the, <laughs> mute the match because he didn't want to hear the grunts after each, right. each hit or whatever. But um, no, tennis is something that holds a, a, <laughs> a really big, Uh, place in my heart but i don't personally i've you know played for fun or whatever but this is random have you ever seen seven days in hell it's like a comedy slash okay (laughs) you guys if you guys have hbo or if you're able to rent this it's a comedy like mockumentary with andy samberg it's pretty funny it's uh if if you're bored and need something to watch give it a go it's kind of inspired by tennis stars like bjorn borg and john McEnroe. like they're kind of like super famous duel (laughs) and it's uh yeah I'm so that. yeah hey next time i'm in town in denver i'll bring jazz over she doesn't know how to play tennis but we'll figure something out we'll do a Absolutely. what is it a doubles match or something yes
1: yes let's do
0: it <laughs> got it so here's a couple more that i've created you know we're gonna get to okay. your fans that have asked some questions but would you rather wear a metallica or acdc shirt for the rest of your life and that's the only shirt you can wear oh
1: my god that's so easy metallica um, okay. hey. if I have to hear another ACDC song in any Marvel <laughs> film, I will <laughs> run out of the theater. <laughs> that's, that's easy. That's, amazing. I, that's like, amazing. Seriously. I, I started with like "Kill 'Em all for Metallica. Like that was kind of my intro heavy metal album. Um, I learned that while I was learning how to drive stick and two of those things together was so much fun um (laughs) but yeah oh yeah metallica over acdc any day
0: got it hey here's one that i came up with well i mean i obviously came up with all these but if there was a mixed drink called an oryx what would it be i have an idea of what it'd be i think it'd be like maybe some whiskey maple syrup and some creme de cacao something like (laughs) heavy but I like that. Yeah. Um, what do you think it would be?
1: Um, it would be tequila and anything else that you can find in the fridge.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it, was,
1: <laughs> it would be you know some tequila and maybe some margarita mix with that. But you know, tequila is great straight. I think we're all of the Oryxies, the three of us, love tequila, so it works out.
0: Great. Hey. Well tequila shots on me next time we're all hanging awesome. out. What's your least favorite type of music? Don't worry, you don't need to call out any sort of bands unless you want to, but what's your least favorite?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, My least favorite, I I don't know. I The older I am, I tend to not think of music in that way where I'm just like, well, there's certain things I just don't listen to, but it's not that I hate it or anything, I just i'm not inspired by it or something so i mean there isn't anything specific i can think of um yeah
0: i'm the same way you know, you know i yeah. i generally accept everything and take yeah. what i want out of it there isn't anything i hate the reason i asked this is i had a follow-up question so okay um i don't know let's let's um i'm, I'm assuming that you're maybe not the biggest fan of maybe like new country and uh Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just. I'm just going going somewhere. You know. You know. Talking sure. about Bud Light and and uh, railroad tracks or something. I don't. So if any fans <laughs> out there that are listening to this, I'm not. I'm not singling you out here. But w- think about what you do not really care for too much, and would you rather listen to that every time you have to concentrate on something, or would you rather have the hiccups for four hours straight every day, both for the rest of your life?
1: Oh my gosh, I. I have
0: no idea how
1: to answer that question. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, yeah, none of that. <laughs> I'll just plead the fifth. One. Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. We're gonna.
0: We're gonna. Ex- yeah. We're gonna exclude that one there. Okay. okay. So here's my last one. This will be a quick one. Here. Would you rather hang out with Ozzy Osbourne or Alice Cooper?
1: Oh, that's an awesome question. Whoo. I don't know. I honestly, before I saw Alice Cooper at Psycho Las Vegas, I probably would have said Ozzy. But after seeing Alice Cooper live was like, mind blowingly awesome. Um, awesome. I'll probably say him. Yeah, it was just such a electric, just exciting show to see. And for him being in that age and being able to put that on it was so inspiring to watch. So
0: Alice I'm going to guess, I've never seen Alice Cooper live except on YouTube videos, but seeing him at Psycho Fest, I'm guessing there was some theatric elements yes. involved, right?
1: Yes, there was. It was just, like, jaw-dropping, you know, kind of thing where you're you're not expecting a lot of that to happen, because that was my first time seeing him. Maybe that's that's probably his thing every time, but it was the kind of thing that you just, you're having a fun time watching and, and participating in, and, um, you know, it was, yeah. It was a great time.
0: Hey, well, I love that. So enough of my questions here. Here are some random fan questions. Okay. Boot from BA Ferguson Guitars asks, what's your favorite snare?
1: Ooh, that's a really awesome question. Um,
0: Whether it's the size or the make and model, metal versus wood, or even for the style of music that you play, what do you like?
1: Yeah, I recently just got the big black um snare uh, from Pearl. Yeah, oh, and, or, or, yeah, or similar and that,
0: like model so, effort, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that love thing it, love it. snaps like it I almost like I can't play it <laughs> at my house because it's too loud. <laughs> um so it's like only for live shows. But yeah, that has been uh, a really good purchase, but yeah.
0: Hey, anyone out there check that (laughs) snare out i i'm familiar with that one too not as a drummer but people that have owned it sounds great you know Mm -hmm. and usually any genre any context you know as far as differentiating yourself and just making sure it cuts through and sounds good oh
1: yeah it's and that's that part has been really hard to to navigate too with playing in heavier music and trying to have everything evened out playing the shows that we did like with electric wizard where you're on this big theater or big stage and every sound is heard. Oh my, you know, in it, ears. yeah, exactly. Right. And everything is amplified. Um, every hit is. And so it really did kind of teach me what, what do I want to play with and what sounded good in that time that we were doing that. Um, and a little different than
0: from playing in a a small diy spot right i mean oh yeah (laughs) you know oh yeah Uh, yeah yeah, just a little different but just um, a bit (laughs) yeah here's our next one james from las cruces asks do you look outside the doom metal genre for influence in your playing i'm personally assuming you listen to a lot of techno and clubbing house music (laughs) right
1: oh my gosh um, first of all, hi James. Um <laughs> <No. laughs> uh, yeah, no techno, but <laughs> I surprisingly I listen to a lot of kind of I listen to a lot of hip hop to be honest. But I mean inspiration outside of Doom, yeah. I, I all of the time I'm listening, you know, I'm listening to like True Widow and bands that kind of have a slower ah, tempo but it. are heavier in their own ways. Like I was just watching the Roadburn online, the Roadburn Redux or whatever online, um where they were doing different video releases from bands across the globe and I was listening to grind and and some doom and um some black metal and I I just I am inspired all of the time by how other people interpret heavy styles and heavy beats. Um I like I'm impressed with a grind drummer. I'm impressed by like watching death metal drummers all the time but I'm also equally impressed and inspired by watching like a band like true widow or something like that live where they can bring that heaviness or even like say earth right like they are just this apocalyptic like epic sound where it can be one beat and then there's this gap there's this pause for it feels like for eternity and then they have the next beat. And for me, like, that is inspiring because I know how freaking hard that is. No, <laughs> and definitely. I, you yeah. know, like, I just, I mean, I don't necessarily even listen to do music, as, you know, because I'm hearing a lot of that when we're touring and things like that. I'm not necessarily listening to that at home all of the time, but I'm inspired just by, like, hearing heaviness in different forms.
0: I love hearing that and a jazz aficionado. Hopefully you can call me out. You could email me. You could DM me (laughs) if I'm wrong here, but I believe Miles Davis said, it's not about the notes that you play, but the notes that you don't play. Mm. Um, So as far as, especially in that music, I mean, I love listening to crazy grind core drummers, like going off the walls and doing, but sometimes it's just like, wow, I love that pause that just came out of nowhere. So yeah, I definitely yeah. that resounds with me an equal amount, like you were saying.
1: Yeah, I like I was just thinking about that today and just felt so inspired because, you know, I was listening to bands like Primitive Man and then listening to out bands of like Exactly, yeah, out of Denver. And they just have their own form of heaviness that no one else has. Um and there's just so many bands like that now. And I really feel like even the year of 2020, as depressing as it was for all of us, I feel like we were all, a lot of people in bands were able to harness some of that and write music that is just refreshing and something that we haven't heard in a long time. So I'm I'm excited.
0: I am excited as well. And this is kind of bringing back this question is bringing back something that we've been talking pretty prominently on this episode here. Katie Neely asks, if you missed the damp floor of the train yard.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't miss the bathroom and I don't miss the alleyway that was also a bathroom. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: I, but you know, honestly, the train yard was such a formative time for me. Um, I grew up going to shows. I grew up, part of my time was in California, um, in Southern California. And then I came to Las Cruces where I was born and was also going to shows when I was, you know, 16 and up. Um, and met people that started the train yard and that, you know, just the scene at that time was just so electric and fun to be a part of and to see, you know, the uni house and, and venues like that are my formative years. I love everything. I love the damp floors. I love the shitty bathrooms because those memories are <laughs> it's unforgettable. It's unf- yeah, exactly. And it, it just, it created my sense of DIY and, and kind of just like what, I think is important now in music, um, I can meet people in music that have not experienced those things. And I know, and I can meet people that have gone through those things that have, you know, had venues like that, played at venues like that, only played venues like that. And I'm like, you and I are on the same page. Like, you know, I we <laughs> yeah. got mutual respect. Um, but those, yeah, the train yard and venues like that were, you know, something I'll always hold dear to my heart.
0: Yeah, I have a lot of memories from that particular location. One of my favorite ones, there's a band, Tragedy, that played mm-hmm. there. I don't know who else. Oh, I don't I don't know if this was like Screaming Females Tragedy. Oh yeah. Or if it was with Dow. I I've seen right. all of them, but I don't remember who exactly was doing what, but I remember Tragedy. They'd be like, we're ready to go. One, two, three. Everyone like strums and bam, power goes out. Okay, I guess we're going to we're gonna have to take out, um, um right. I don't know, a microwave or whatever, a, a light that's somewhere in this building here. So it was pretty much down to the bare minimum. Only the amps <laughs> that would allow oh be allowed to be turned on. Otherwise, there'd yep. be these power surges. I mean, I feel like Tommy would have been great at that time because he's an amp tech. He'd be like, okay, guys, like we need to calculate like, I totally, don't know, Totally. He all was uh, the, the amps and the ohms of everything here and just figure absolutely. out if this is in compliance or whatever.
1: Right. Like, let's find the source. Yeah, no, it. I remember those moments too. And <laughs> it's so cool because I, even like, that was kind of the early years of me playing. I actually, I played drums in high school briefly. Um, But when Tommy and I started playing, we played the train yard. There were moments where like, yeah, the lights would go out or something, you know, all electricity was out or like my snare and some part of my drum set had fallen down and I did not know how to like, <laughs> do I like stop playing and grab this piece of equipment or do I just keep playing and like I would just keep playing. I had no idea and no one gave a shit too because it was just a vibe like yeah. it was fun, you know, and at those times I look back on fondly.
0: <laughs> Great times for sure. An anonymous fan here asks, who are your favorite Denver drummers?
1: Oh, man. Awesome question. I look up to Joe from Permanent Man. I mean, he's just an amazing metronome um, when it comes to heavy music. There's a ton of awesome drummers here. I of course, because I'm on the spot, I can't name everyone. But I really, really love watching Permanent Man play live because we played with them years ago um, when it was a different drummer. And watching Joe now, like he's been such an awesome addition to that band. And it inspires me constantly to see how to add fills into slow songs, (laughs) Um, how to keep that interesting, because that is a challenge. That is something that I'm always thinking about. And to see that done, the way that he does things, I'm always inspired by that. So I'm gonna leave it there. But there's a ton of freaking awesome drummers here. Oh yeah. Good
0: answer. <laughs> here we go. Next one that we have. We just have a couple more here. Um uh, my okay. wife, she said, Hey, can you throw this one in here? Yeah, sure. My wife Jazz asks, Do you have any weird reoccurring dreams or just singular dreams that you have had that you could think of?
1: Huh. That is a really cool question. Um Yeah, I would say, do I have a reoccurring dream? Specifically, I, man, I can tell you right now, I'm having like... If you're willing to disclose. I know, know, I'm like, some of that, yeah, it's (laughs) not as entertaining. But like, I, you know, I have like, work dreams that are anxiety inducing. Um, (laughs) I I work with foster children and foster parents. I I work at a child placement agency and kind of like the social work realm and yeah, sometimes that work alone gives me reoccurring dreams. And I mean, that's i mean not in a good way, but it's just like, sometimes that work is heavy, you know, and it leads back to music being kind of a catharsis for me and a uh, you know, way of letting some of those feelings out.
0: Hey, well, even on my end, I'd like to express my thanks for doing what you do. It's definitely important and uh, life changing for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. I, <laughs> I I've met a lot of uh metalheads that are social workers and I I want to like write a book on that at some point. But I think there's there's a connection that
0: That'd be a really cool topic. You, you know? know, I yeah. mean, we have a I don't want to put anyone on the spot or, you know, shout out <laughs> anyone that may not want to be like, right. I don't even know if this is the word shouted out or whatever, but we have a lot of mutual friends or people that we know right. that are in that similar um workspace and that'd be really interesting. Yeah. yeah,
1: there I think there is this connection with people that at least work in kind of helping others or in that field and also like are just really drawn to like DIY like punk and metal and things like that and I think there there's just I think a sense of community in both of those realms like in social work in that field and also in music. Kind of any genre you pick, honestly, you can find a community. And I think, you know, I just I've seen that a lot of metalheads have really big hearts, <laughs> and they're really nice people.
0: <laughs> hey, that's awesome because I mean, obviously, you know, the term "don't judge a book by its cover," but a lot of right. people would maybe think like metalhead, what they're a social worker or something, you know, like
1: <laughs> right like for, for yeah. the people
0: that can't think outside the box or whatever, you know. Like I exactly. said, know many people that we know are. Play in bands, tour regularly, have played the similar shows that we have, whether it's filled up stadiums to dilapidated basements, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that's the part of the work that they do, and it's it's extremely and super important work. Right, right. I agree. Well, yeah. Thanks for providing that information there. And this is going to be my last one here. Okay. Um, you had talked about Marvel, uh, the Marvel movies. So maybe you might have a little fun <laughs> answer here. Um, but an anonymous fan asks, what fictional character would you like to hang out with? Like maybe a video game character or cartoon or someone in a movie, maybe like Sonic the Hedgehog, or I don't know, like Cyclops from the X-Men. Like who would you like to hmm. hang out
1: with? Man, these are good questions. Uh, I... Just finished watching WandaVision.
0: Ooh, how was it?
1: I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Was there ACDC it. in it? <laughs> I probably. I probably, <laughs> like, tuned that out. Um, but seriously, any character on that show, I would love to get a beer with. I think it was, like, one of the agents, like, agent, like, Wu or someone. I don't, like, I don't know. There was just, like, every character on that show... Was so relatable, like I, I just thought they, they killed it on that because, you could connect to almost every character. I would totally grab a beer with anyone on that show. Um, I know it a broad so answer, hard to but,
0: answer, though. You no, know, yeah, I mean, like, I'm like, do I want to hang out with Wolverine, or do I want? <laughs> like, I would like to maybe hang out with Yoshi, but would he eat everything in my kitchen? I don't know. You know, like I mean, right? Totally, yeah. like,
1: you know, I. I love watching those movies and shows like Marvel is awesome to kind of check out and get into those things. But yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question though. I, yeah.
0: Well, as long as there isn't any ACDC in the background, (laughs) but thank you so much for, for these random questions.
1: (laughs) Thank you for asking those awesome questions.
0: So back to business here talking music, your new album, Lamenting a Dead World is coming out at the end of this month on Translation Loss Records. Yes, I read that the theme, um, I believe I was actually reading this on Decibel Magazine on the article that was put out, but the theme is kind of based on the disregard for human life. And obviously the pandemic we're living in or living through has exacerbated many of those topics that fall into that discussion. But one thing I was wondering is that this particular theme for your new album, was that something that you all were going for or did it just happen, especially with um, what has transpired since early last year?
1: Yeah. um, We, and a lot of that comes from Tommy being the vocalist and, and kind of the themes that were put together for the lyrics. But We were definitely inspired, I think, from the events that we were living through. Some of those songs for the new album were written prior to 2020, but a lot of it was finalized in that last year. And yeah, it was definitely those emotions that we were feeling at the time were coming from feeling frustrated and isolated and pissed off. Um, Tommy was Working at the time, like going out doing like contracting work with Home Depots and stuff like that. And he'd go out and be in the public, and people were just not wearing their masks. And it, it was just this constant oh, like um, annoyance, you know. And I, of course, and that can be a whole yeah. other thing, but like it was just frustration. And yeah. you know, we were experiencing that kind of all over, honestly, not even just at work, just day to day. And that was when we didn't really know a whole lot about this pandemic, like we were practicing in an actual public practice space with you know there was like at least 30 or 40 other bands um and you know, i never
0: even would have thought of that you know yeah because I, i've played in practice spaces before but even during this time i that's not something i was going through i i right. wouldn't have even thought of that you know bands that share a space with like you said 40 plus individuals yeah what, yeah wow. it, i mean even that angle that you're kind of bringing it up I didn't even think about that because I, at some yeah. point, you think like everyone is completely secluded, but to their own living situation, obviously, besides their work situations, besides obviously someone being a musician and having right. to have their own proper space. But sharing a space like that is something that introduces a whole realm of mm-hmm. difficulties and challenges.
1: Yeah. yeah. We were really nervous <laughs> at that time. We, I mean, we had definitely there was a few months that we weren't even doing that. We weren't practicing at all. It was from right at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, in March when everything was just kind of coming to fruition, we definitely held off on that. But then as we kind of found out more, we're like, all right, let's go and practice. Like we'll be masked. But then also we're thinking about the events at that time. Like, Oh my God, like we're sharing this like breathing space with so many people. Like at that point we just were like, let's finish because we had the recording set for August here. And we're like, Okay, let's survive. Hopefully we can survive enough to get to um, the recording. And then hopefully we can survive that. And hopefully we sure. can just get this freaking album out there. Um, and I think a lot of people felt that way initially. But yeah, I mean, there's so many emotions that were happening at that time and still are. I think it's going to take years for all of us to process through what we just experienced. Um, and what, like you said, what we're still experiencing. But yeah, I mean, it, it was... It was a sense of urgency, um, and I feel like you can hear that on the record because we, it was emotionally charged in a lot of those songs where we were giving it our all. And just, I think for a lot of people that, that recorded and wrote music last year, it was like, let's just do it because who knows what next year looks like.
0: Hey, well, it definitely shows, and I could hear it in the album. I got a little bit of a awesome. sneak peek there. Um, sorry, everybody out there, that <laughs> you're going to have to wait till um, April 31st, but absolutely incredible. I love it. We're going to touch a little bit on the actual process of writing and recording. But one thing I wanted to ask besides having a bassist now, Eric, and that's a part of. The band, what would you say has changed in your sound the most? I've obviously seen you play multiple times as a duo, and I saw you play with your bassist, Eric, and it sounded great. But I know that even trying to sound as expansive and as huge as possible, possibly more layering, or mm-hmm. even in the way that you guys are approaching recording, what would you say has changed the most, and just in general, as far as approaching this album?
1: Yeah. Um, we were able to. I think what changed the most was we were able to sit with our music for a lot longer than we usually have. You know, we are usually on, like most bands, on a schedule. Like, we need to record. A
0: deadline. Got to get on tour. Got to get on the road. Like, we got to put this out right now. A pressing plant. They are behind. Oh, man. What's going to happen? Are we going to even have records on the road? But now it's like, okay. um, (laughs) Who knows when anything's going to happen.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, we were given a little bit more time to just kind of marinate and hang out with the stuff we had written. And I really think that benefited us. And, and what we're going to take with us as we move forward, even writing something next is just giving yourself time to add more things. Cause we noticed we were playing through the songs we already had. And then we're like, you know what, let's add this, let's do this, let's change this part. And those tweaks and those additions really were some of my favorite parts on the album. Um, And yeah, I think what, what also was different, like you were mentioning with adding a bassist and a third person was Tommy was really able to work collaboratively with another guitarist and bassist um, because I can help to an extent too. And Tommy and I write a lot together where sure. I can just communicate, hey, can you do this or can you change this part? But then to actually you know, be able to write with someone else that's playing an instrument like his is a lot different. And they were able to tweak a lot of things that. We just haven't had that voice in previous records, um, and a lot was different too. With just you know adding synth and different things and and different instruments. Oh, I was gonna, I'm gonna yeah. bring that up.
0: Okay, gotcha.
1: Yeah, we just. I we, love it. That's why. You yeah. know, I,
0: I could hear. Obviously, there's feedback. I believe there's some like noise machines and some synth, but I mean, you've even got a cameo by Paul mm-hmm. from. Blood incantation and spectral mm-hmm. voice. I mean, how did that come about?
1: Yeah, um, he's a great dude. He uh, he and Tommy have become close with Tommy's amp business that he's working with, and he works with a lot of people in the community, and, and um, that kind of built friendships. And we've been able to hang out, and we started practicing at the same spot, and it, you know, friendships just formed that way, and. Um, we saw his incredible synth uh, <laughs> uh, collection that he's got going on. Um, and just, you know, Tommy and him were able to collaborate on that in that way. And
0: well, I love it. It sounds yeah. great. You know, Thank I'm not going to spoil it for anyone out there because I can't describe a synth. I mean, yeah, you know what a synth sounds like and you know how it's incorporated into metal and sludge and doom. It is great. I love it. I mean, it's on the track Oblivion it sounds yeah
1: yeah um, thank you
0: i love that implementation
1: yeah that that song is just i'm really excited for people to hear that song i think it's, um, it's, the, finishing, uh, track, it's the finishing track
0: correct it's the finishing
1: track it's the longest track we've done i think we've maybe only done that one time but uh, one other the Outside of the
0: EP right because I think that Oblivion is around 11 to 12 minutes and the the tracks on the EP are around 9 if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes so Oblivion's I think closer to like 14 15 minutes and we actually if I'm not mistaken and someone can punch me through the phone but (laughs) (laughs) Widowmaker like our initial like the self titled song there was a really long song in that but that was a long time ago totally different but it's been a while the whole point is it's been a long time since we have been able to kind of sit with ourselves and and work on being comfortable with kind of longer riffs and we like we've always had a problem too where Tommy and I will be like all right we play that riff enough like I'm like (laughs) I'm over it let's do another riff you know and we will do it that way and I think there is an art into bands that can just do one riff once in a song and that's freaking awesome or there's bands that can play the same riff over and over and over and you know bands like yob they do it in a way that you are not thinking that necessarily in the moment you're just enjoying it and we have been you know exploring that for you know with oryx just like being comfortable with that because a lot of that there is yeah and it's very I don't know, like therapeutic too, to, to be comfortable with that. And, and, you know, there's confidence in that too. And just knowing that like, you know what, this riff is awesome. We like this riff. Why don't we expand on it in a different way than we've done before? So I, you know, I think we're just more comfortable with this writing that we did with this album. Um, And we have more confidence in it and it shows.
0: (laughs) Well, talking about even writing the album, I know you had stated that the majority of the tracks were written before the pandemic began. But I know that you were still in the process of recording more, and I believe it was going to be in the West Coast in California, Mm -hmm. but that's where quarantine lockdown occurred. Then as far as you contracted um, an engineer locally, Mm -hmm. I believe at Juggernaut Audio, and you finished things up there, and hey, everything turned out great. But can you kind of elaborate a little bit more on the process of, I know you had said, you were able to sit with these recordings, let the ideas marinate a little bit mm-hmm. because it wasn't just like, hey, we, we're done with the recordings and we're just going to keep them for a year and a half plus, And however they turn out, they turn out. Instead, it seems like you were proactively working on them, correct? And a- implementing yeah. things into the tracks.
1: Yes, yes. We had initially, we had written some of those songs or started writing some of that in 2018. And then uh, we had scheduled recording for March of 2020 at, with Greg Wilkinson um, at Earhammer Studios in California. And that shut down, um, or like that city shut down <laughs> that he was in, and basically every city shut down in March. Um, and it was just the way that it had to be. Um, and so we were really bummed out because we love recording with Greg for the EP Born into Madness. But we said, hey, you know, we'll maybe try and record in Denver, but can maybe you still master it, mix and master it so that you still have a hand on this project because we love your vision and your voice on things. So um, thankfully, that still happened. But yeah, we had to kind of ground ourselves and record locally. And we had heard about Juggernaut audio from other friends that recorded with him. And it was a good fit at that point. So things worked out and I think that that's kind of the story of this whole experience of the pandemic that things ended up working out and things can work out. It's, it's a difficult journey and it was, but we've made it work. And I think we're all kind of making it work at this point. So it, yeah, I, I think we're happy with the result. Um, but it was great to still have Greg Wilkinson like involved in, in this project. So,
0: well, you definitely made it work. Sounds great. And what I was going to say is this is your first time, On a label, for the most part, correct. Being on Translation Lost Records, how's that been?
1: Awesome! (laughs) It's so awesome! It's uh, gosh, I cannot say enough about how great Translation Lost Records are Are in general. Like, just the people that you know are on that label, like, are incredible. The whole team behind it is just amazing. Um, Every step of the way, they've been accommodating and you just. Excited. And I think that has been the biggest thing. We wanted to find a label that was excited about this music as much as we were um, and as much as we are. And they are just excited about all of the releases they put out. They're genuine, they are supportive. And all of those things were kind of what we were looking for. Um, And we've done a lot of self releases, we've done a lot of releases with smaller labels um, that were friends. And of course, of and yeah,
0: and that's equally as important. That isn't right. to dismiss any of the, the smaller labels because we have a bunch of friends that run smaller labels and they're essentially the lifeblood of right. what we love and what we enjoy. by, I guess, shall I say, on a a larger scale yeah. label for sure?
1: Yeah, yeah, we were really excited to get our music out to a bigger circle. Um, I think, you know, as much as we've been able to do, you know, the music has only been able to go so far. So to be able to get on a label that has a bigger reach um, and just has a bigger following. And already there's a lot of people that follow that label that have been like, Hey, never heard of Oryx, but I'm a fan now. And just having, you know, people, it is. Yeah. And especially internationally, like we have just not been able to reach a lot of other countries just because, you know, it's just, there's, a ton of music. I mean it's it's hard. It's like, but
0: wink wink, maybe international <laughs> tour in the future. There you go.
1: Yeah. Oh, and yeah. you know, we, we've been wanting to um get our music out there too. And and it's just so cool that through TL we've been able to just reach a bigger audience. Um and also the fact that they were able to do this amazing vinyl um the two different versions or variants were blown away by how that came out. And just, we're so excited for people to kind of see the whole thing and hear it.
0: They look great. Hey, I picked up the album. And I also picked up a couple of our things. I know you had mentioned the band. uh Hopefully, I'm pronouncing it right. Un? Yes. Un? yes. Okay. Hey, I picked up, uh, I think it was like a reissue of a double yes. P that they have. And then Jarbo and an individual, Kevin Huffnagel. Um mm, okay. but yeah, cool. I picked up a couple of things, so hey, I'm gonna be rocking out in my living room soon <laughs> to your music as well as other of your co-label mates. Awesome. But, um one question I know it's I'm kind of asking it, knowing that you don't really have the answer for it, but hopefully you know, things clear up for the future, but I'm anticipating that there is some sort of future touring that's maybe not set in stone but is hopefully gonna be planned for, correct?
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, um, we have high hopes that we can get this um, album out there playing it live on a tour on a local shows too, with like a local release at some point or something like that. We want to play this album live absolutely 100%. And if that's not until 2022, then we'll be writing new stuff in the meantime anyways. So, yeah, we're excited and, and I'm hoping that live music makes a glorious return when it's safe to do so. and I think it's going
0: to be amazing. Oh, yeah. Happens.
1: Oh, I think it's like you said, the tiles ripping down from the roof. <laughs> I
0: think that that energy <laughs> yeah. is going to be yeah. everywhere, you know? <laughs> I was talking with Jazz. We were driving somewhere. I'm not entirely sure where we were going, but I was thinking just all that pent up energy for mm. even people like you and I. We're used to going to shows. I'm used to going to show maybe right. one or two shows a week or something like that. For some people, it's maybe a show. I don't know two shows a year or something like that you know and I'm usually like I want to go to this show I want to go to this show I want to go to the show but I it's like oh I gotta watch out for the wallet here because I'm going to be buying LPs and shirts and I'm going to be storing things up to the ceiling here which I obviously love doing but what I was trying to get is there's no lack of shows in the cities that we live in so we're usually having to pick which ones we're playing or which ones we're going to or you you understand what I'm saying where I'm but like we haven't been to a show this is the longest that i have not yes. been to a show or any sort of live event and i would say oh oh like since i was like a freshman in high school or something Same. i don't know you know it, it just feels so odd yeah. you know for some people it's just like oh man i'm, I'm can't go to the mall or can't go to the, what i was about to say can't go to the movies i love the movies <laughs> i love when the movies oh, me but, too. Like, me too. but um for people that go to shows like this is something that to even yeah. think, like, wow, I haven't been to a show in over a year. That's like that I, I was thinking like the energy that's gonna right. be in these rooms, whether it's firing up these loud tube amps or even if it's somebody DJing or whatever, like it's just it's just yes. I feel like it's gonna be so electrifying. As long as everything's healthy and safe. Right. It's just gonna be such a, a wonderful experience, really.
1: Oh, I completely agree. I was talking about that too recently, where it's like those shows that we were all at when we were younger and, and just, there's a buzz in the air and you, you know, you just want to feel it, you feel it and you're excited and you don't even know what's happening. You just want to be a part of it. And those feelings of why we all got excited about music in the first place and being a part of something and being a part oh, of a community. Geez. I know I, I feel like come back. It's going to come back. I feel like we're all going to be, like, hugging while there's a band playing and just, like, kumbaya. And that's awesome and great. <laughs> no, I mean, you you know, it's it's going to be exciting. And I think, too, that we've had time to all reflect and just refine things we wanted to do or find, you know, have time to even just, like, get new careers or figure out what we want to do. And I think that will play into how we are as musicians as well. because. You know, musicians have a million different things going on too. There's full-time jobs. I mean, Tommy and I both have our own jobs. It, you know, there's just yeah. things that are happening outside jobs, of it. Jobs, or if
0: you're a parent or whatever, right. there's a bunch exactly. of yeah, so exactly. many things that are also conjoined with it.
1: Yes, yes. And I think that we've had time to kind of, which time that we didn't expect having where we get to figure out, hey, like now I have time to figure out what I want to do and what will make me happy and what I really want to be passionate about and do. and. I think that'll play into music as well. And um, either way, I mean, kumbaya or not, I think people will come back to the scene and be, I think, just friendlier with each other for a minute. And I'm excited. I'm excited to kind of get back into it because there's just something about, like you said, just the live show and just being there and connecting with people on that level. So
0: I think even as a band... And just playing, there's obviously bands that have stronger internet presences, but there's some bands where they're just, they make their money or they sell their merch via playing live. It's like, we're a live band. You know, like, of course, the internet exists and you could do sponsored ads, you could do this or that, or you could have more followers. That's something where I think in my brain... I, I'm definitely not the best marketer. And you're probably like, well, hopefully he gets better marketing for his podcast or whatever. You know what I mean? But like, no. no, but I'm, it's just like, I'm used to doing it kind of like in the, in the flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, like we're playing a show and hey, here's a seven inch. Hey, here, buy it. But yes. obviously it's about adapting and just having that live energy, but even still a part of playing live. I've got to ask, I know that you've opened up for Electric Wizard, but maybe this is your pretty much your favorite show, but are you able to say like, what's one of your favorite shows that you've ever played?
1: Yeah. Um, favorite show ever played. I Yeah. You, you're talking about electric wizard. Yeah. That was such an amazing experience. And I've had favorite shows that I've played like in a,
0: how nervous were you when you were dingy playing
1: basement? Um, oh gosh. <laughs> um, So I like, almost threw up on that first night (laughs) (laughs) because so it was i'll tell you a little bit i'm not anticipating like oh like
0: i was expecting abby to be nervous but i mean obviously when you're in the zone it's like i don't get nervous really playing but when you get introduced to a different element of that type of you know yeah i don't know like it was events it's a different ball game really
1: it was wild um yeah we showed up to the venue to Fillmore Auditorium, which is, <laughs> I think, the one of the bigger venues here. I can't remember what's the biggest, yeah. this the third biggest venue here. um, And 3,000 Cap. So um, I just got a little tidbit of info there. But yeah, it's a huge venue. And we showed up, and Electric Wizard had not shown up yet. But everyone's kind of like, the people that are directing the show are like, okay, you guys go do this, you guys need to set up, let's do soundtracks, blah, blah, blah. And we're just like holy shit okay um and (laughs) yes of course we know what we're doing Uh, um and then we were setting up and then we did a sound check and then we were told that electric wizard like their flights had been delayed they were not going to be able to come until kind of right before they were supposed to play so they needed our help the the stage guys needed our help in basically making sure everything was set up for them because they had Le- Electric Wizard had their crew there setting up all their equipment, sure. but they needed someone to tune drums and play the drums and make sure that things were good to go. So they Got asked it. me. I basically almost wanted to change my identity and like leave. Oh the <laughs> I was like, I am not a part of this band. You don't know me. I'm not going to do this. Um, but no, I <laughs> so. I was able to work with the crew that was there already and help them tune the drums and set that up. But it was wild. And then Electric Wizard showed up very close to when they were supposed to play and did not even miss a beat. I mean, they played a perfect set. Um, that whole experience, I would say, with my picture pic- perfect. That's picture amazing. Pr- It was just so cool. And that was probably one of my favorite shows because it was just something that we had never
0: experienced I love hearing that. We're going back in a time machine when I first interviewed you, and I asked, what's one of the worst shows you ever played? And you said one of the worst shows was playing with a ska band in Salt Lake City <laughs> ages ago. And I asked that, like I said in that interview I did ages ago. Has there been a worse show since then?
1: Um, <laughs> and I'm patting myself on the back. Um, no, that was still the worst show. <laughs> that was it was I mean okay I'm being dramatic it wasn't like the worst thing ever but it it was just funny because it was one of those shows they just put like any band that's touring on one package at that point um and you know we're Tommy and I like what what are we doing (laughs) like what are we doing here and you know we're just watching the ska band I think they were from Mexico they showed up like in a like I don't know. It was the weirdest (laughs) thing. Like it, it was, I, the whole thing was bizarre um, and you just have to kind of laugh about it and go and play your set and play it well and then move on. But you know, when I first started playing with Tommy, one of the best things of advice he had given me was like, always play, you know, play your best because you never know who's there you never oh, know who's watching you. I love you. that. I you love it.
0: Yeah, I love that. Don't but... just
1: give up because there's no one watching you. Um, don't just act like it's a practice because that one person that's watching you is going to be pissed off that you're treating them like that. And I've been that one person watching a live show before. And I know that oh, feeling yeah. where a band gives it a, their all and you're the only one there and you're like, hell yes, I'm a fan for life. So I take that advice.
0: I love that advice because I have played many shows where there's been essentially no one except the bandmates and maybe the girlfriends of the bandmates or whoever, you know, between zero to five people. I mean, I remember one time in El Paso, this is the only time I think I had played like a bar on Cincinnati street. I obviously don't club or do anything, but they're like, Hey, do you want to play? And this is when I was younger and we played and the bartenders like, turn it down. You're Rattling the beer bottles and this, I'm not gonna call out any sort of newscaster or weather reporter, but a pretty <laughs> prominent weather reporter came up to us like that was awesome. I'm like, What are you doing here? I mean, that's really cool. But I think it was like we nice. talked about his history and all that, and it was kind of just really strange. But even then, those moments are moments that I look back on with so much fondness mm. and I would kill to just even be able to play live right now. And Mm -hmm. I know that it's going to happen in the future. And I love especially what Tommy said, like, hey, you never know. I mean, whether it's going to be a label executive or you're going to be the next biggest fan of your band Mm -hmm. or or whoever, whether they like you or not, at least they know that, hey, they're giving it their all.
1: Right. Yep. Exactly.
0: Hey, well, hopefully soon. I'm going to have that vinyl in my hands, and hopefully (laughs) soon I'll see you all playing live. But I've got to say here, Abby, it's been an absolute pleasure. Before we wrap this up here, all ears are on you. Any shout-outs, questions you have for me, any sort of criticisms, whatever you'd like, anything you'd like for your fans to know, let them have it.
1: Um, this was an awesome, awesome interview. Thank you so much, Chris. Um, this whole experience was really fun, and thank you for all the random questions that totally threw me off in the best way. Um, and yeah, we've got the new record coming out April thirtieth, and um, I hope everyone gets a chance to listen to it.
0: Got it. And hey, I think I messed up there. April thirtieth. Then um, yes. I don't. I don't even know. Wow. I. I. Wow, there's not 31 days in April, so I'm I'm, (laughs) not... I didn't notice that either, but... (laughs) Hey, well, I can't wait for it. Thanks for being on the show. Give Tommy my best, and we will talk soon, all right?
1: Thank you so much.
0: Well, there you have it. There's my conversation with Abby. Such great vibes, and I'm glad I was able to catch up with her. I've known Abby for a long time, and I can't wait to see her perform live with Oryx. These chats are great because it's pretty much picking up right where we left off when we last hung out and keeping you all up to date with everything that's going on in their world. Another side note is that Abby's husband, Tommy, who is her bandmate and is the guitarist and vocalist in Oryx, runs an amp repair shop in Denver called Filament Amp Repair. If you're tuning in and wondering, dang, who could fix my old twin reverb that sounds like a broken popcorn machine? Or hey... I was gifted this amp and it's being substituted as a fog machiner. whatever amp problems you have, reach out. Doom, Cool Jazz, Classic Rock, it doesn't matter. If it's related to having a current in electricity and has issues, then reach out to Filament Amp Repair. Abby and Tommy are awesome people with good vibes and I always make it a priority to catch them live when they're on the road. And once live music is underway, you should definitely check them out. It'll be a grand old head time. You may need some Tylenol or Advil for your neck after the show, but it'll be well worth it. As always, thanks for tuning in. You can go to InterviewsWithChris.com for any previous material or go on any major platform where you can hear a podcast. If you like what you're hearing, then subscribe and give some positive feedback. It takes less than a minute and it goes a long way. Spread the word. Tell a friend a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, the record store cashier, whoever crosses your path. Again, I appreciate you all. Thanks again everybody, and I'll see you next time.